Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to It's About Us, a virtual town hall meeting right here with Black Politics Today. I'm your moderator, Kelly Michael Williams, and I want to thank you for joining us tonight. I know that you will enjoy our panelists as they share their insight and wisdom to empower you and Black America to realize it's time for a Black reset. Each week on my podcast, I pause and I thank my Lord and Savior just for blessing me to have the opportunity to host this show. What I do is what's at stake. But because of what we have tonight, I wanted to come about and ask that we also take a moment to share with what the uh, Jacob Blake. So some of the things that we did with Jacob Blake, I want to also take a moment and pause and and pray for him as well. Or show a, a moment of silence for him and give some recognition to the fact that this young brother got shot in the back seven times. Um, and then the other two gentlemen who got, who were murdered by this kid, 17 year old, who's carrying around an AR-15 that he's not allowed or legally able to carry. I think the names were Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum. I wanna also take a moment to acknowledge those deaths as well, because they were out there walking with other folks that were looking to help and support Black Lives Matter, and they're out there walking and helping and support the injustices that many African-Americans experience each and every week at the hands of police officers. It's something that we should not have to deal with. It's something that we shouldn't have to continuously have impact our lives each and every week. And it's something that certainly, until we get a handle on the systemic racism in this country, we're going to have to continue to do it again. And lastly, I want to celebrate the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington that took place this past Friday. I had the pleasure of being there with my daughter, who ironically came to me and said, Dad, I feel compelled to be present. I need to be there. I want to go. Can I go with you? And can I meet you there? And that just made me feel proud because of all the things that I've been doing. Um, I've always tried to involve my children and my son and my daughter. But to have her come to me as opposed to me saying, hey, come and go with me, it was exciting for me to have her there. It was exciting for me to see her reaction and response and how she felt compelled to now take on a charge of making sure that every life, every African-American life is uh, validated. It mattered and something that she wanted to do. So I wanted to also acknowledge that. And then let me thank my staff and crew for aiding in the production of this town hall meeting keeping me straight, or at least trying to, as, as, many, as many times as I go off and, and go to the left at times when I'm dealing with ignorance from those folks in, at 1600, I want to thank them and appreciate them, as well as my guests tonight, because each and every one of them took time out of their schedule to come in and be with us tonight, and I just want to say thank you to them and ask them to you know, continue to support Black politics today, ask them to continue to be the powerful voices that they are in their respective fields and what they're doing. Because when you look at the sanctioned murders of unarmed black men and women across this country, black America is still going to grapple with the economic inequalities, the job losses, the business closures, and the large disparities of COVID-19 deaths that we're experiencing right now. And in spite of all of that, as we typically do, black America continues to rise and we continue to, to coalesce around our communities, which is something that we're going to have to make sure we do come this November 3rd and 2020 because we have to stay focused and we have to focus in the many areas that we're dealing with. We're struggling in our communities, including arguably most importantly in our economic opportunity and stability. 
because I believe that the black economy that we saw rise in the 90s, fall in the early 2000s, and come back under Barack Obama is now in jeopardy and has been in jeopardy because now we're looking at unemployment rates at 16.8%. You know, at one point, our unemployment rate was down to 5% under the uh, previous administration. Now we're looking at 16.8%. That's the highest since the Great Depression. And half of our Black businesses are now on the brinks of closing. And then 25% of the deaths for COVID are African-Americans. And so we can no longer be on this path. We cannot stay on this path path, Black America, we have to move. And that's why I've said it's time for the Black Reset. So tonight, we're going to be discussing the economic impact of Black America in 2020. We're going to look to November and see exactly how this election can impact or the consequences of this election will impact us if we do not participate, if we do not fully engage ourselves in the economic, the voting, the, the social, the economic, and the political uh, 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 areas of our of our society, and make sure that we're participating economically and especially politically. Joining me tonight, I have a wonderful panel, five wonderful, exciting people that I'm excited to have to me. First, I have Jerry Green. Jerry is a native of Washington D.C. She's an accomplished. She has a, an accomplished career as a, as a civic engagement professional. She's held positions within the national organizations and served in the leadership position of both local and federal government, formerly serving as senior advisor for civic engagement at the office of the director for the U.S. Census Bureau, where she engaged in civil rights organizations and diverse national leaders on critical issues relating to the census. She currently, she's currently the consultant to the National Urban League, serving as its 2020 census senior advisor. In this role, she spearheads the National Urban League's 2020 Census Make Black Count initiative to educate the public about the 2020 Census. In addition, Jerry directs the activities of the National Urban League's 2020 Census Black Roundtable, comprising of leading thinkers and organizers in the Black community, working collaboratively collaboratively, uh, towards an uh, accurate and fair 2020 Census count. Next, I have Keevan Kimball. He's the founder and CEO of Financial Services Innovative Coalition. Keevan has a 25-year career, or he is a 25-year veteran uh, of Capitol Hill and has held positions as chief of staff for a senior member of Congress, a chief lobbyist of one of the nation's largest financial services firms. As the current D.C. Bureau Chief for the National Chapter of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Keevan has unparalleled access to minority communities and civic leaders around the country. He is routinely called upon to advise members of the Congress, members of Congress on policy and legislative issues and has been asked to speak to state and local governments as well as testify in committee hearings. Keevan has initiated and administered studies and programs related to solving the problems experienced by those who are poorly served by the financial services industry, us. He acts as the board chair for the uh, Financial Services Innovative Council, American Innovation and Opportunity Fund, an organization dedicated to resolving issues of financial services inequities and whose programs encourages social and economic inclusion. And next, we have um, our national speaker. She'll be joining us later. She's a national speaker. She's a professional moderator and facilitator. She's the principal owner of Truth Speaks Consulting. She is Latasha Brown. She is also the co-founder of the Black Voters Matter, Black Voters Matter Fund and the BMV, BVM Capacity Building Institute. Latasha is adamant about ensuring that all human beings have access to quality education, safety, security, peace, love, and happiness, striving daily to hear the voices of women in leadership amplified and supported. She is also working to eliminate human suffering through her vision of the Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium, affectionately known as the Black Renaissance Woman. Her national and global efforts have been known to organize, inspire, and catapult people into action, enabling her to receive numerous awards. Most recently in 2018, she received the Jubilee and Liberty Bell Awards, as well as the 2010 White House Champion for Change Award. As a well-respected leader in the South, 
who has led numerous initiatives, campaigns, and special projects to empower marginalized communities. Latasha is leading several international efforts to provide training, support, and funding for women-led institutions based in Guyana, Senegal, Belize, and Tanzania. And next, my brother, Mr. Brandon Andrews. He's an entrepreneur, global, global builder, speaker, and host. He is the co-founder of Gage, an AI-driven mobile market research platform connecting brands to consumers and influencers to identify opportunities and avoid mistakes. As senior consultant at Value Partnership, he leads the company's work on technology and entrepreneurship, including leading a nationwide casting tour, focusing on bringing more diverse ideas and voices to ABC's Shark Tank. Named a Global Initiative Fellow by the U.S. Department of State, Brandon has traveled the world speaking and hosting events on entrepreneurship and innovation. Brandon has also helped lead nationwide engagement campaigns, including If Bill Street Could Talk, Fences, Roots, and Concussion. He is the chairman of the DC Commission on the National and Community Services. And anchoring our panel tonight, she needs no introduction, is Dr. Maya Rocky Moore Cummings. Dr. Cummings is president and CEO of Global Policy Solutions, a Washington-based policy firm that makes policy work for people and their environments. She is the former chair of the Maryland Democratic Party. And prior to her election to the party, she briefly had a uh, run for uh, governor of Maryland. More recently, she was the 2020 candidate for the 7th Congressional District to fill out the term of her late husband, Congressman Elijah Cummings. A former adjunct professor in the Women in Politics Institute at American University, Maya has also served as the vice president of research and programs at the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, senior resident fellow at the National Urban League, chief of staff to former Congressman Charlie Rangel, as well as staff on the Powerful Houseways and Means Committee. Her areas of expertise include health, social insurance, income security, education, women's issue, and youth civic participation. She is an author of the Political Action Handbook, a how-to guide for the hip-hop generation and co-editor of Strengthening Community, Social Insurance in a Diverse America. I want to thank all my guests tonight because without you guys, I would not be here tonight. I will be railing on the White House and everything they're doing. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. If you want to join the conversation tonight and participate in this town hall, if you have a question or comment, you can give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. Or you can send your questions through our comments on Facebook and YouTube. And to get us started, I want to uh, set the tone, uh, Brian, we can go ahead and prepare that. I want to set the tone for our black economy and start and, and start at looking at um, the history, the history of black wealth in America and the white racist riots that destroyed it. Let's take a journey back through the eyes of its lone survivor. Brian, cue that video for me. So Brandon, let me start with you because I'm sure uh, the the young lady there, I failed to remember her name right now, uh, someone that you may have met in your time there in Tulsa when you were working with Black Wall Street. But let me ask you this. Let me start with you because uh, a number of slaves received their 40 acres and, and set up stakes in Tulsa um, where they built what is known to, what we know, now know to be Black Wall Street. Would this economic foundation um, be a direct indicator of how if all of our ancestors had received their 40 acres after the Civil War, um, notwithstanding the ultimate riots that, that happened, be that Black wealth, especially generational wealth, that would uh, uh, catapult Black America into a more middle class and stable financial economic um, uh, uh, future?
And and with that, because I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, uh, I think had we gotten what we deserved, what we were promised, what was told to us that we were going to get, uh, certainly our communities would be better off and, and certainly uh, our businesses and things of that nature. Because the idea that, that you mentioned of us being able to build a community and have the wherewithal to do so, you had in, at that time white folks coming to the black bank to borrow money and 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 doing stuff and and here we are we're trying to go to the white banks to borrow money and can never get it um talk to us about the the disparities of the economic uh, uh availability for us to actually do that i mean under ppp and, and beyond i mean even before pp ppp we were still having problems doing that and um could we identify it as a direct result of what happened with uh, 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 Black Wall Street with Tulsa? Because it, it carried that systemic racism that in, in, encircled us has carried on. Can we link it to that or do we have to look somewhere else? So Maya, let me come to you um, and and kind of ask you a, a, a you know two questions in one if i might uh looking at the the the, the current state and the, the ppp uh program and how it's it's hurt many black businesses two questions is one can we ever get back to a a a black wall street a a building of our community that is self-contained where we have our own banks our, our restaurants hotels and grocery stores given the fact that we're fighting a systemic uh, uh, barrier and and policy hasn't seemed to change to our benefit. Uh, being a policymaker and, and someone out of, the, uh, out of the policy arena and the lobbyists, do you see us being able to do something like that? Getting back to a, a point where we can build a, a, you know, a Black Wall Street uh, or are these barriers so, so strong and so strongly rooted that it would be almost impossible for us to do that without striking policy changes. That's correct. Right. So, and you're absolutely right. I, I think the numbers I saw was 10%, uh, uh, what, uh, 2 trillion, uh, and then there was like 400 billion or something like that, and they got 10%. It's like, what kind of number is that? You know, $2 trillion, and, and we get 10% of 400 billion. Um, so, the, you, you mentioned um, uh, land, wealth, and, and homes, and, and real estate. So the, the truth of the matter, or, or correct me, the idea that w us African-Americans not being able to have land, not being able to get that land, not being able to build um, houses, not being able to hold, have that property um, has uh, tremendously affected our ability or affected us um, and in a, a, a lot of ways to be able to build that wealth and generational wealth. Would you, would you agree with that or, or, or what would you say? And how do those policies impact that? They 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 uh, appraise our houses much less and lower than they appraise uh, white homeowners' houses, which is absolutely crazy. Thank you, thank you, absolutely, Kevin. Let me give you a 
you're working in this area, because uh, I, I, w- I was going to come to you, Jerry, but I want to stay on this track, because when I come to you, I want you to hit me with the census and how it's impacting us as well. So, Keevan, uh, given what Dr. Maya was just talking about, and, and especially dealing with uh, uh, home ownership disparities and just everything about income disparities, and you working in the financial services area and, and you know, your, your coalition identifying and, and trying to help and support uh, minorities and minority communities. Talk to us about this new uh, initiative and the initiatives that you're working with that are going to or possibly open up uh, financial avenues for us to be able to get into so that we can kind of reduce this, this, uh, this gap and this uh, uh, inequality that we're seeing and us being able to get loans, get businesses started, and even have uh, financial security. Don't give it away yet. We're going to get there. Don't give it away yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're messing up my segments, man. You're messing up my segments. Come on now. <laughs> That's the key. So, you know, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm just throwing the questions out there and I'm looking for you guys just to educate us and, and help us out. Jerry, I, I'm going to come to you now um, because I want to I want to look at this. I, I, I really want to hold on, Jerry. Let me let me. Um, Brandon, Keevan said something to that, that just um, caught me as to why we might have well, not, not necessarily why we might, but I believe it's why we have it. Jobs and equity and pay to being able to take us from one area to the next. And I'm getting ahead of myself because I know I was going to get into this later. But since Kevin brought it up, that ability of us to be able to get high paying jobs, to be able to afford housing, to be able to afford savings and be able to afford investment, that is a key element for us in our economic survival. Yes or no? Fifty that right, right. Hold it, hold it, hold it. You're getting ahead of me. You, 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 you getting. You like, you like Keevan, man. You guys getting ahead of me. I, you know, just hold up here. Hold up. Go ahead, Maya. Go ahead. <laughs> Right. <clears throat> All right. So let me go ahead and, and, and transition because <clears throat> I want to I want to get some other numbers in here that I think are going to be uh, pertinent to, to how we uh, continue our discussion. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. Or you can certainly hit us up on Facebook and or on uh, YouTube and give us a comment or question, and we'll certainly uh, put that out there and ask our panelists that. Jerry, I'm coming to you. I want, to, uh, I want Brian to queue up the video we have um, and just go ahead and start it, and I'll stop talking once you, got it, once you have it up. But, Jerry, I want to come to you because <clears> – <throat> I want you to share for me um, the, the, uh, with our viewers the dollars and, and what comes 
from the census. Uh, we, we've been talking about the census, how important they are and, and what's happening. Uh, but I really want to use those dollars uh, as, a, as a barometer of what's out there and the impact that it has on our community and where we go, given what Dr. Maya and Keevan and Brandon just discussed and talked about. Um, I want to be able to use that. Go ahead and, and, and start that, Brian, whenever you're ready. And while he's queuing that up, and just play it and out over me, Brian. But while he's queuing that up and, and sharing his screen, I want you to think about it from what we're about to hear and talk about it in the billions of dollars. So, Jerry. Uh, Talk to us and share with us the categories, the various categories that are impacted by the census and the amount of money we're talking about and, um, and, and, and share with the, the, the viewers and listeners the, the viability or the, the um, impact of those dollars on our community. Thank, thanks to our Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yes. You mentioned one point or one and a half trillion dollars per year in these various areas. When you when you look at that allocation of money, the like forty four billion and and you know thirty billion, sixty billion for the various states, how impactful is the loss of that money to our community, and how does it um, how does it affect or how does it relate to why our communities stay stagnant? Uh, and and not move in, in in a positive direction or in a in a uh, uh, area where you know uh, things look better. So you know rather than us having our our hoods and our ghettos and things of that nature, how impactful is this money to our community when uh, when we respond, and how impactful is it when we don't respond or have other outside influences uh, preventing us from responding? So so let me so so let so let me say something right there is that the money goes where the count is not necessarily the need. So if 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 you're in a white community and a hundred people are in that community and ninety of them are counted compared to a hundred people in a black community and only forty or fifty of them are counted, the the, the remaining of that money is going to go over to that white community and we're going to miss out on what's happening in in need. Yes. Right. Maya, uh, let me come back to you because I recently heard um, Mitch McConnell. I, you know, some, some of these people, I don't even like mentioning their names. I, I, I'm going to be like Donald Trump and, and make up names for them and, and call them something else. But uh, my, my, my producers and other people have told me to, you know, use English. This show. <laughs> use English on this show. <laughs> so Mitch McConnell recently said that he wanted to make sure that D.C. never got representation because that would mean two more senators and maybe a, a, a congressional member. And, you know, he was going to make sure that wouldn't happen. So in other words, what he was saying was that he wants to make sure he, he doesn't mind taxation without representation. He doesn't mind uh, us, the, the District of Columbia not um, 
adhering to the Constitution, no taxation without representation. He doesn't care. It, it doesn't matter to him. And the idea that the census and some of our jurisdictions, we can actually lose seats because we don't respond. Talk about that impact um, just being, although you live in Maryland, but, but the impact of how D.C. can be impacted if, if we were given those Senate, two Senate seats and, and what it would mean compared to those jurisdictions. I think even Maryland may be on, a, on the cusp of you could lose a seat, I believe, if, if I'm correct. Talk to us about that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I want to I want to give a shout out. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Maya. Democrats as well. That's true. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Um, I want to give a shout out to Janine uh, Abrams McLean, and she uh, posted on Facebook the prison gerrymandering project, uh, the prisoners of the census. Um, so, Jerry, uh, uh, our girl Janine is out there uh, uh, letting people on Facebook know what's going on so that we can uh, uh, make sure that people understand. How can, and, and I asked this question because Janine uh, was on our first broadcast on August 3rd, and uh, uh, Sharon, uh, Dr. Sharon Kyle was talking about that. She did an article for us in Black Politics Today magazine on the prison gerrymandering. Is there a way, because in the Constitution it says that we should be counted, and then I know various states say that prisoners should be counted in their home district. But somehow, some way, it has changed where now they're counted in their prison, uh, in the prison areas. So is there a way for us to get that back where prisoners would be counted in their home districts? Or can family members just include them, because that's their permanent residence, on their census? Right, exactly, exactly. Well, why, why is that? Boarding, stu boarding, boarding kids student are boarding students exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so let's let's do this. Let's get Latasha in because she can help advocate for that, along with with Kevin and 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 Maya, uh, as well as as you, Jerry. But let's get Latasha. In. Latasha, welcome back. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us. I'm excited to have you. Uh, you missed out on some good stuff, girl. You missed out on some good stuff. But <laughs> Maya and Jerry was on the road. Keevan came up with some stuff. I had to slow him down. And Brandon was out to give away the basket. I was like, Brandon, hold up. We're going to get there in a minute. Hold up. So let, let me talk to you because I'm excited to have you, uh, co-founder of Voter, uh, Black Voters Matter. What, my, uh, what uh, Jerry was just talking about, the residential status, because you know, we want to make sure that everybody votes. We want to make sure the black folks vote uh, in masses when we can. I know they're doing everything they can to stop us. But two, I'm going to give you parallel question, two questions at the same time. One is the impact of us not voting. What does that do to us economically in our, in our areas? And then how do we begin to lobby to change these residential rules so that we can make sure that our incarcerated brothers and sisters can not only respond to the census, but can vote in their respective districts.
Gone. Right. Gone. Yep. That's right. That's right. Right, right. Can the church stand and say amen? Can 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 the church stand and say amen? <laughs> Latasha, I mean, come on now. I mean, if you didn't just read everybody and everyone that's watching this thing and everybody in Congress and everywhere else, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, 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 I hate when I hear this whole thing, uh, but it's true. You know, Republicans fall in line and Democrats fall in love because we always talk about, well, I don't like this candidate and I don't like that candidate. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it is about power. And we have to recognize and understand it's about power, but because we don't and because we're always looking at participation, it's crazy. And that's why so many black folks will sit at home at times or they say, well, the lesser two evils and things of that nature. So, I mean, the, 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 I, I think you've, you've, you've identified it and said it, but I don't know that it's out there in the atmosphere, if you understand what I'm saying, where we understand that it's about power. And why we need to vote all the way up and down the, the, the ballot from the, the city council to the school board to the dog catcher to the state and everything else, because especially in this year, because we're looking at reapportionment, we're looking at redistricting, we're looking at all these things and the census and how that impacts it all, plus the money coming in. Help, you know, you know read them again. And, 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 and say it again in, in some form or fashion to help us understand and help the people understand how they need to now trans translate this and send it out to the community. Right. Right. Because they'll tell you. They'll tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. the show. It's done. It's a wrap. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to do Opportunity Zone. I don't even know if I want to talk about that. It's like, forget it. You know? <laughs> shut, shut, shut it down. Just shut it down. But I, I, I mean, Brandon, Brandon, step in here, man, because I mean, the. so you, you, hit me with the perspective of how um, we can get young people in understanding that because right now you have young people uh, as, as on, on our side, on our side of the aisle, they, they're moving and they're saying, okay, well, we want to be so far left to the progressive side. And, and you guys and, and uh, your support, your, your party, you guys are, are trying to, you know, stay moderate, go to the right side. Talk to me about just because, because you, you, that brother for me, that's just pure, you know, you all bones about being black. And so talk to me about how using what uh, Latasha talked about, 
that we use that collectively so that black folks, regardless of what party they're in, understand the ramifications and what they need to do to collectively build up our community as opposed to our party. Oh, I think, did we lose you, Brian, uh, uh, Brandon? Are, are you still there? Okay, okay, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, we can hear you. Uh-oh. Go ahead, Maya. Um, no, you're breaking up, Brandon. No. <laughs> we lost you too, Maya? Are you there? Okay. Yeah, we can hear. Go ahead. Yeah, you got we got you back, Brandon. All right. Okay. Go ahead, Maya. Yeah. Hold up, hold up, Brandon. Go ahead, go ahead, Maya. Okay, go ahead, Maya. That was a powerful segment right there. I, I just, I mean, mm, mm, mm. that was it. That was it. I, I it, it, It's hard for me to transition because I, I really want to talk about these opportunity zones because this is another area that we've been led to believe is going to benefit us, in my opinion, but I don't know that it's really going to benefit us in the same manner. It's going to be able to benefit rich, white, capital gains, investing, uh, 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 folks, and um, I want to I want to come to you, Kevin. Uh, once we, I want to show this video um, of how it explains uh, uh, enterprise zones and what it says, and then I want to come to you and and of, of course uh, uh, Jerry and uh, Brandon and Maya to to discuss that and how we as Black folks realize um, not only just our voting power but uh, our economic power. So uh, our our, our Videos is stuck right now, so I'm going to go ahead and be, we'll, we'll get to the video once we get it up. But let me talk to you, uh, Kevin. Um, the the opportunity zones. These have been designated already by mayors and governors across the country, and and using the census tracts and and things like that. Okay, we're going to get it uh, get it up here now. Go ahead, uh, play that video for me. Go ahead and open up your mic. You now, uh, uh, Kevin, and and talk about uh, these opportunity zones and, and just a little one little thing is that when you see that video, you saw the, 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 the two women of color, they, they weren't benefiting from that opportunity zones. Okay. The, 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 the one uncolored person in there, he was the one benefiting from it. Then they made a, a interracial couple and brought her along to with him. Right. I mean, and that's pretty much how it's going to work out because they're talking about capital gains. And then one, and two of the things that, that I know, and, and you can correct me why I'm wrong, is one, for development opportunity or for development project, you need $100 million of, of, of investment there. And then to be a, like an individual investor, I think you need like two hundred or 250000 to be there. And you have to be accredited. So here you go, Brandon. You have to be accredited uh, as an accredited investor. And then you have to be able to get into a fund and you have to be able to create a fund. So briefly, because uh, we're probably going to go over, but briefly, talk to me about these opportunity zones. They're designated by the mayors and governors and what they're supposed to do and how they're, quote, unquote, supposed to help minorities and minority businesses and all this other stuff. And then I'm going to have a counter question to you because I want to push back on your answer. I don't even know what your answer is going to be, but I'm pushing back on it already anyway. All right. Go ahead.
and who's that? Uh, Maya. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, empowerment zones. Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone been there lately? <laughs> okay. Exactly. Brown stones became white stones. <laughs> Investment. Right. Yeah. So that means we got to vote. So that means we got to put the political will in and we got to change it because I'm, I, I, I get that, but I'm like with Latasha, we got to understand the power behind this and move it because quite frankly, for me and Brandon, I'm, I'm going to bring you in because I, I want you to talk about the accredited uh, investors. The, the, the issue I have with the uh, opportunity zones is that you're taking capital gains and you have to have 200,000 capital gains, things like, like you just said, if if you can't go to a bank now, you're African American, and no one's white going to give you their two hundred thousand to invest and try to build uh, apartment buildings or build condos or anything else like that. They're not going to do it. The other thing with that too is that that capital black folks are not going to give up their two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand in capital gains to give to somebody because that's their retirement and everything else. So what you have is you have folks who have millions and millions of dollars, who if they lose it it's a tax write-off from them because they're taking it out of their business anyway. And so it's an investment where they know that they're going to put it in where they want to go. It's, it reminds me of um, Orrin Hatch's college uh, fund bill that he went and did back in the late 90s where you can invest, uh, what was it? I think it was $2,400 uh, a, a, a per child, per parent, and you can invest for your first cousin. But you didn't have to tell them when you took the money out that you was using it for college. That was when the 527s first started. I remember reading that bill and I'm like, are you kidding me? Because you can invest $12,000 per child and go to your first cousin? You know black folks ain't going to invest for their first cousin. Come on now, right? That was just an ability for them to be able to say, yeah, let's take this money and do what we want to do with it. It's another tax uh, shelter, another loophole that this is that this is doing. So Brandon, hit me up with the accredited uh, 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 um, investors because that's also a barrier for Black folks because we have to become accredited to even invest in some of these projects. I mean, stop right there, Brandon. You can't include your house. So like Maya was saying earlier, those folks in, in Prince George's County whose homes should be, if they aren't, worth more than a million dollars because they paid a half a million for it back in 1990. That's why they moved out there. So even in 2020, if they're not over a million dollars, but you can't include that. So you have to talk about, you know, your stocks, your retirement, all the, all the, the, the areas where we would have it because you know, years ago, we weren't really investing in stock markets in a great deal other than through our retirement. We weren't speculating in the stock market. You've eliminated, what, 80, 90 percent of the black community? Oh, there you go. You there? You Um, Kevin, the, 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 that whole idea, well, actually Maya, Maya, looking at, looking at that, that accredited, um, lender requirement and the fact that, uh, uh, Brandon is telling like 95% of, uh, uh, of our community is locked out. And you're talking about the folks in Prince George's County and, and how the, their homes aren't, you know, getting the value and you can't even use the homes. You talked about policy earlier. Uh, 
is there a way for us to, to lobby and change that policy, the accredited lenders policy, so that we can have an opportunity? Because these are all systemic barriers that have been put in place to keep us in our place. Let's be just, let's, let's say it's systemic racism to keep us in our place, economic racism, social racism, and political racism. We've been talking about that all night. So what is that and how do we deal with that? Because that's something that, I mean, we are never going to get to that point where we can invest in any of these projects if we're not building them ourselves. FEC. So basically, we need to lobby. We need to have a lobbying apparatus for black folks so that we can lobby Congress, state legislators, city councils in a massive way. We don't have that. We don't have a, 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 um, a LGBTQ. We don't have a, um, a now. We don't have a, um, uh, what is it, uh, um, uh, a religious, uh, what is it, um, uh, Ralph Reed. We don't have the Ralph Reeds anymore. We, we don't have those apparatuses for ourselves as a as a whole in our community so how do we do this how, how do we get that right what is cra let's let people know let people know that okay Yeah, you, you got to let my listeners know what's what's going on. Quit using all them acronyms, man. <laughs> exactly. And and um, go ahead, Brandon. You going to say something? <clears throat> So, uh, uh, Jerry, I want to come come back to you on that on, on this. If um, if you're there and you can and you and you hear me, um, because the, thinking about all this and then thinking about the impact of what this census is going to mean to us, it is vitally critical that we participate and make sure that we respond and get everybody in that household, Pookie, Ray, Ray, and the dog, if we can and put them on that list because, I mean, when we get to representation and when we get to reapportionment and we look at all of those dollars that are coming into our community, I mean, we can, we can continue to lose our shirt for the next 10 years or, and, and complain, or we can get out there and do something and recognize, that, as Latasha said, the power of what we're doing. And I think we need to change and make people understand that participation in the census it's power in, in it and not just participation. Right. I like that, our entitlement. Latasha, um, the outcome of this election is directly tied to, to, to the black vote and our economic future. Do you believe that our communities really understand that? And if not, how do we get that message to them over this next 65 days so that they recognize that census, voting, economics, political power, social power, all the social, economic, and political stratus of our livelihood is at stake for us if, if, if we don't get involved in this.
Yes. <clears throat> I mean, really, really, Maya, the, 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 the realization, like, like, like you seen it, like Latasha said, this is not a drill, right? This, this, this is like the, 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 the uh, uh, fire thing that you hear in the hotels, like this, no, no, this is real. What? <clears throat> right, exactly. No. So, so, so move us into this, this atmosphere 65 days out of of making the 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 i mean latasha made the case now now bring it home for us for for folks who are sitting out there saying yeah but oh you mean you mean to tell me we can't get kanye in there we we, we you know. <laughs> Exactly. Right, right. Right. I, I need to wrap up, uh, uh, but 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 uh, Brandon, let me come to you, and then I'm I, I'm going to do my round robin real quick. Um, the, the 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 Senate is doing that right now, just what what Maya said. The the Senate they're they're not saying anything. They're they're letting them do what they want to do. The Republican Party basically uh, on both sides are just allowing Trump to do whatever the hell he wants to do, any way he wants to do it, and they're not saying a damn thing. How does that happen? When the Republican Party has always been this constitutional barrier, they carry it in, in a breast pocket talking about constitution, constitution. What has happened that has allowed them just to, you know, basically put their tails between their legs and, and sit there and, and be lap dogs? Can you hear me? Oh, okay. I want to thank my guest tonight. I, I, my, I'm going to end with this because I, I, I certainly don't want to end, but we need to end. But I want to end with this. Jerry, what's at stake for us um, in, in 2020 and beyond? What's at stake? Thank you for joining us. What's at stake for us, my brother? And, and, and it's interesting, Brandon, uh, uh, because um, he, he jokes about, you know, oh, oh uh, you know, maybe 26, uh, was it uh, uh, 2026 or 2024 and 2026, he jokes about it. But the reality of it is, is that's what he's looking for. What's at stake for us, my brother? Brandon. Are uh, you still frozen? Are oh, you, you, you you're available? Un- unmute yourself, Brandon. Can you hear me? I think he's frozen. Maya, what's at stake for us? 
he would. He would. Brandon, are you available? You with us back? You back with us now? Brandon. Latasha, take us home, my girl. What's at stake for us? Get him out the way. Keevan, uh, share with us uh, how people can get in contact with you as well. Jerry, how can people get in contact with you and what you're doing to Census and Urban League? Brandon, hope you're back with us. How can people get in contact with you and what you're doing on Shark Tank? Brandon, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. <laughs> With all the best information you're trying to give us, you freeze up on me, man. <laughs> Try it one more time. Go ahead. One more time. Oh, man, Brandon. Okay, Maya, give us, give us your information and what you got going on. Again, I am I'm excited. This has this has been such a powerful moment for me um, as the host of Black Politics today. I, I just can't thank each and every one of you enough. Um, I appreciate it. I thank you. I salute you all. I want to thank my guests for their insightful wisdom, engaging foresight, and empowering knowledge. I hope that you, the viewers, have been enlightened to the degree that you will get your butts up, get your asses out, and understand that it's power and it's about the power of this. Uh, a democracy, about the power of our social, our economic, and our political future, about the power of our livelihood, about the power of, of, of possibility, and recognizing that if you don't understand or know what fascism is, look it up, read it, and recognize it. It's Russia. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, 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 Turkey. It's, you know, all those foreign countries where they call them strong men, autocrats, uh, and, and everything else. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the autocracy of, of understanding that this man is trying to take over our nation and run it the way he wants to run it and do what he wants to do. And people in Congress on the Republican side are letting him do it. And unfortunately, some of the Democrats aren't fighting hard enough to make sure he doesn't do it. So you have to ask yourself, what's at stake for you? What's at stake for me and my family? When you are, and when you determine that answer, if you haven't gotten the answer already tonight, because I'm telling you, Latasha told you what the answer was. Maya told you what the answer was. Jerry told you. Uh, Brandon told you. And Keevan told you what the answer is. Black America, it's time for a black reset. I, I, I don't know where I got that from. I don't know how it came to me. But it hit me and it stuck that we have to reset the way we think about things, the way we do things. And I think Latasha hit it greatly. It's not about participation. It's not about a decision that you can say, I want to or I don't want to. It's an absolute. It's an absolute need, an absolute purpose, and an absolute promise that you do it. Because if you don't, you might as well kiss your black behind out and go on somewhere else. Because that's going to be the result of it. Because they will not only lock you up, as Maya said, they will throw away the key. They do not give a darn. We know what I wanted to say. They don't give a damn. So just go ahead and do it. So get out there. We need to turn out in record numbers. If you're registered to vote, register again, because they will try to purge you and kick your butt off. Register up until the last day you can register, and then fill out a provisional ballot if they do it anyway. But make sure you get to the polls. Get your absentee ballot. Get out there and make sure that you send it out, complete it. If you are sick and tired of unarmed black men and women dying, and then a 17-year-old white nationalist um, uh, uh, supremacist can walk down the street with an AR-15 and just say goodbye and drive his butt back to Illinois and still is just sitting there like, hey, well, you know, he in jail now, but look what happened. Everybody black, go get a gun. In fact, get three of them. An AR-15 if you can, 
get you a shotgun, a 12-gauge, and get you a couple of handguns. Because if you don't get them now, trust me, you're not going to be able to get them later. But get out there, get your guns, because it will be a war. It will be a war. Open me up, Brian. Open me up. So let's get out there. Let's do it. Uh, let's see. I want to thank you again. My guest, uh, open up the screen. Uh, my guest, Kevin Kimball, Jerry Green, Brandon Andrews, Latasha Brown, uh, and Dr. Maya Rocky Moore Cummings. I want to thank each and every one of you guys. Please let me call you again, and please come back again. And, hey, if you haven't subscribed to Black Politics Today magazine, go to blackpoliticstoday.com, subscribe to the magazine. I want everybody on this set as writers, contributors, as hosts, or whatever I can get. Look, come out there, because our November issues, our election issue, I want you guys to write some articles about what we need to do so we can get that out there. Help promote it. I don't know if you guys know, at least in my opinion, we're the only black political magazine out there. I don't know nobody else out there talking straight politics, social, economic, and political. Now, they might put some entertainment in there, so that disqualifies them, okay? We don't put entertainment in there. We're doing straight POC, right? People of color, social, economic, politics, thank you so much. Look, if it's social, if it's economic, if it's political, it's black politics today. Hit it, Brian. Let it go. <laughs> thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake. Thank you. I'm signing off. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Thank Politics you, uh, with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today. Hold on one second. Sounds great. Uh, we'll, we'll send it over to you because uh, it'll be on Facebook. It'll be on my page, and uh, you'll be able to get it uh, from there. So we'll send it over to you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I was so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's all right, girl. You brought it. You brought it. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Brian, what happened? I think I'm done. Uh oh, let me end this.